Hello, and welcome to the Zero to Hired podcast, the show that helps struggling job seekers find a career that's right for you. In every episode, we have one mission, to provide you with unique tips and strategies from leading industry experts that will get you in front of hiring managers. Enjoy the show. Podcast. My name is John Rivero, your host, and our very special guest this week is Jenna Ryan. Jenna Ryan is an HR professional who turned recruiter, who turned career consultant. She's got a wealth of knowledge, and I'm so happy to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thanks, John. I'm happy to be here. So today we are going to talk about, you know, uh, quite a few different topics because we, when I went through your profile and you know, researching into you, I know you've got a wealth of knowledge in the industry, and I know your knowledge and experience is really going to help out our listeners. So let's just get right into this. So what's one of the biggest challenges that candidates are facing today in today's job market? Sure. So often the the thing that I find that, you know, sort of stumps candidates is the competition. So I would say that Toronto does have a very competitive, you know, market. Uh, You know, we have a lot of very experienced candidates, a lot of very articulate candidates, very educated and all of that. And I think that that sort of sometimes intimidates people or they will find that they're applying to a lot of jobs, but they're not necessarily getting called backs and it and then they wonder why because they do feel like they're very relevant to the role. And again, it's because we do have heavy competition. So I don't want to say I don't want to leave it there because I think that listening listeners hearing that might feel a little defeated so i do want to say that you know regardless if it's um, a very competitive market there are still always things you can do to sort of do a bit of a line bypass and and get to the front of the line so you know maybe we'll dive into that a bit more later but i I think that is um, an issue candidates are facing actually so this is great so you do talk about you know there is a lot of competition and even myself i've seen you know, in certain roles, you have maybe 100, sometimes 200, even 300 applicants for those roles. So let's talk about, so with all that competition, how do you stand out? So how does a candidate who is struggling to get a response? Because one of the things I hear quite a bit is nobody's responding back to me. So, so what are one of the one or two things that a candidate can do to get a response uh, and to get to the top of the, the heap, right? And, you know, just use that to get to the top of the pile. How do they, how do they do that? What would be some of your recommendations there? Okay. So if a candidate has a very focused job search, for example, so say they're, they're only applying to, you know, marketing manager roles in the retail industry, let's say I would, what I would do is I would pull up, let's say three to five job descriptions. I'd print them out. I'd highlight all the keywords that come up very repetitively and, you know, pull out, let's say, I don't know, 10 to 15 common themes, common words, whatever that is. And I would really make sure that your resume is smack in the face, obvious that it's so relevant for the role that you're applying to by incorporating all of these keywords. And people think that, you know, I do have a very obvious resume or, you know, it's very clear what I'm looking for, but but really going into that granular level of clarity and, and the obvious alignment by using all the right keywords, right? And, and this is, Um, So I'm talking about even job titles. So I'm not ever implying that people lie about their their job or their title at all. But sometimes we can reframe things in a way to make it more obvious to recruiters like myself. So for example, if someone has three years experience and they're working for a small tech startup and their title is marketing director, 
And then they start applying to other jobs that are maybe more marketing associate or senior marketing analyst, because that's really the level that they're at. They would want to modify their existing job title because that title, marketing director is throwing people off. They're thinking, oh wait, you're too experienced for this role or, or whatever it is. So job titles really have to be, um, I guess the market job titles as opposed to what that company uses and mimicking that on LinkedIn as well. And then as well, really adding in those top keywords for two reasons. One, to make it very obvious for recruiters like myself who are going through hundreds of resumes. And so it's very clear to me that you are very aligned to this role. And number two, for the bots, <laughs> for the ATS, for the yeah. applicant tracking system that you have to bypass. And even though hiring managers like yourself, John, are, you know, don't necessarily care for, you know, can see, see past through this, can read between the lines and things like that. The bots and sometimes the entry level recruiters don't necessarily have that skill. So I do often hear hiring managers say that all of these steps aren't necessarily required, but I still think that they are because there's other gatekeepers that candidates have to pass. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if you're not getting through the very first gatekeeper, which is the ATS, nobody's ever, a recruiter is never going to see your resume. So, so you talked about keywords. So how do you, what are some tools that maybe candidates could use to make sure that their resume and their job description are aligned? So outside of, you know, highlighting keywords, that's a very manual way to do it. Uh, is there any other ways that uh, candidates can do it so they make sure that they have, I guess, a good score in terms of, you know, right. are, are they in alignment? Yeah, there are definitely some online tools. And funny enough, I don't know the names of it off the top of my head. So okay. a quick Google search will get you that. And so that is definitely, you know, something that people will use. And so I, I still feel like before you, you yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You can use those tools to figure out the keywords on the job description, and then you can then apply those words to your resume and making sure that they're on your resume and on your LinkedIn and in your cover letter as well for those rare jobs that ask for a cover letter. Yeah. So actually, so one of the tools that I know, and I'll just throw it out there just for, for the people listening, jobscan.co is one of those tools that we recommend. Uh, it does a really good job in like it mimics the application tracking systems or the ATSs and it spits out a score, which is great. So you know uh, that either your resume is aligned or it's not aligned because understanding and every industry and you talked about this, you know, when you're moving from a small startup to a larger organization, even titles and things change. So you got to make sure that the language that a larger organization is, is still being used in your resume. So you get picked up by them. Otherwise you'll never get noticed. Uh, so jobscan.co is definitely one of those tools and actually they offer some free scans as well. Um, so this is good. So you talked about when you're moving, especially for those who are trying to transition for us, we get a lot of people, we get a lot of listeners who are transitioning from outside of Canada into Canada and understanding the work market. So outside of some of the key words, is there anything else that they need to look for so they can stand out and, and you know, have people, employers pick up their resume? Right, exactly. So one thing I definitely find from candidates that are you know, new to Canada, and it's a little repetitive, but it's the job titles, right? Mm -hmm. So just making sure the job titles are aligned because I find that the core experience is still the same type of core experience we would do here, but the job titles are usually a little misaligned. So I would say, definitely um you know making that clear um so you know it's easy to understand and then also just 
I think it's more of an expectation thing. So if you were, again, we'll use the marketing area. So if you're a marketing director back home, you know, maybe applying for more junior roles here. And so not necessarily applying for the marketing director. Um, sometimes I would even use a rule of thumb going down two levels as opposed to just one. I find when they try to go down two levels, there's, it really increases the odds. Um, it's a bit of a humbling experience because I think that that's not necessarily what people feel that they should do. But I, I think that again, reframing your mindset, don't think of it. I wouldn't want our candidates who are newcomers to see this as a step down, see this as an easier opportunity to learn the Canadian climate, to learn mm. the Canadian workforce. And it's easier to do that when you're doing a job that's a little bit easier because you have two things you have to learn. It's, it's the job, the new job, and then the new Canadian working environment which is different from other places in the world, for sure. So, so this actually brings up a really good question. So if you're dropping down two levels and you have, you know, and I've seen candidates who have a wide variety of experience and skills, you know, the one thing I hear from them is people turn them down because now they're overqualified or it looks like they're overqualified. So what are one or two things that they can do to address the overqualified issue? Because I know this is one that comes up quite a bit. Sure. I would say... Uh, simplify your resume. So maybe if it seem you seem overqualified because maybe you have 20 years of experience, then maybe just show me the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. And, um, you know, again, it's, you just want to sort of, you know, show the key pieces. And if you're showing 20, 20 years of experience, for example, you know, that might sort of lose the, the reader or the recruiter and realizing like how you're relevant. So I think just um, trimming it down would help as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's good. So, and actually this is one of the things that we talk about as well is, you know, only put in the things that are relevant to the role that you're applying to. So you may have 20 years of experience, but not everything in those 20 years are going to be, uh, you know, what the hiring manager, the, the organization is looking for. And what we do know in North America, you know, in, in regards to the roles, they're very specialized, right? So, the roles here aren't, you know, general and it's not one job does 10 things. It's one job does one thing versus other places. Right. This, sorry, I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of speak to that a little bit. Especially in large organizations. But if you're working in a startup company, for example, then you would have very high level roles where you're touching so many different facets, right? Mm -hmm. I think um, I've worked in large organizations and yes, you just focus on one aspect, but um, it sort of depends. I, I think the whole point is you want to seem as focused as possible. So there's nothing wrong or nothing to be ashamed of if you've made career changes, if you did your college diploma in this and then your degree in something else. But the point is when you apply for a job, we don't have to show all of the, um, the ways that we kind of went off path, for example, that doesn't necessarily have to be reflected. So I find candidates sometimes when I'm working with them one-on-one, they're so attached um, in, in, to certain aspects of their career that they feel uncomfortable removing it. But you really want to think of it as put yourself in the reader's point of view. So maybe they don't want to see, for example, a real estate license in addition to your finance background, right? So removing everything that's not you know, at least 80% aligned to the role that you're applying to. Yeah. And I actually, I really liked how you said, you know, put yourself into the reader's perspective because this is a big one. I think a lot of times we want to showcase, we want to talk about, you know, all of our accomplishments and all the different things that we've done. 
but we don't take a minute to really understand who's actually reading this, right? And this is really important. So I'm glad you, you pointed that out. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna go into break, but you've provided us some really great tips around simplifying and really focusing on your, your resume and your job, uh, just so the reader understands what it is you're looking for. So after the break, we'll pick this up and we will continue on. And I've got a series of other questions I still gotta ask you. This is just the first one. Um, but after the break, we will come back and uh, discuss those. All right, so we're just gonna head off the break. We'll be back in a minute. Are you planning to move to Canada and concerned about how you will find your first job? Maybe you're already here and struggling to get that big break. As a newcomer to Canada myself, I knew the best time to be prepared for a job search is before I needed the job. My name is Connell Valentine and I'll be your online course instructor helping you get the job soon after and maybe even before you land in Canada. I'll be sharing my screen while helping you build your brand new Canadian resume that will delight recruiters. We will create a direct email marketing campaign to hiring managers that will make you stand out from your competition. We will then be doing a demo of a real online job application, showing you the precise steps you need to follow to quadruple your chances at getting the job interview. And finally, to get the inside info on the vast majority of the hidden job market, I'll show you how real networking is done in Canada. The average salary in Canada is well over $200 per day. Don't waste any more time and money being unemployed while trying to find the right way to job search. Get lifetime access to these courses at the link in the show notes below at courses.zerotohired.com. Use it to get your first job fast and to get your promotional jobs in your future. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is John Ribeiro on the Zero to Hired podcast with our very for, with our very special guest, Jen Narayan. Jen Narayan, again, is a HR professional turned recruiter and career consultant. And when we left off, we were talking about focusing on, on your resume and, and really highlighting and, and writing a resume from the reader's perspective and thinking about that as you're putting it together. So outside of, you know, so we talked about some of the challenges that are, you know, some of these candidates are facing today. What industries, you know, in your opinion, Jen, you know, you still recruit today. Uh, what industries are hot right now in, in this market? Sure. I think there are a lot of startups, you know, especially Toronto downtown. We have a lot of startups. And the good thing with startups is that they are really a little bit more open and flexible about the type of people that they hire because the skills that they require are always sort of changing. Mm -hmm. So that's really a hot market. I mean, it's not an industry per se, because it can apply to many industries, but it's just startups in general. But of course, when we think of startups, we think of, you know, e-commerce, we think of online, we think of apps, we think of tech, right? So those are always hot markets. And um, I'll be the first to say that I don't actually specialize in the tech industry because that's sort of its world of its own. So that's a, a space that I haven't dived too deep into, but I get approached all the time if I have tech experience, if I can help recruit for these roles, because there is, you know, lots happening in that area. So, um, you know, that's always good. But again, people who don't have tech background doesn't mean that, you know, this doesn't help them. It still helps them because if there's new uh, startup companies opening up and things like that, they still may need someone in HR or marketing or finance to run other departments, right? Mm -hmm. So that's definitely an area that I would say is hot. 
Yeah, no, and, and this is great. So for those that come from large organizations and then into a startup, there are differences, right? Um, what would you say, you know, some people should be aware of if they've never thought about moving to a startup? Because one of the concerns with startup is, hey, I'm not going to get paid or, you know, I'm not going to, my regular paychecks aren't going to come in. I've even heard horror stories where people have worked for startups and they don't get paid for a month or two. So what are some of the things that, you know, people should be looking for or be aware of as they're going to be, you know, looking for jobs maybe in, in the startup sector? Sure. Well, that definitely is quite the horror story that, the, that you're mentioning. Things like that can usually be found in reviews on Glassdoor.com. Mm -hmm. So I would probably check, I would always check Glassdoor.com for, you know, just some, any red flags that you see, repetitive messages, because I mean, one person saying something bad, of course, we all know that that doesn't reflect the whole organization, but things like that would. So check Glassdoor.com for reviews. Keep in mind, though, that when you are coming from a big company, going into a small organization, Yes, there will be less processes in place. There will be less structure. So if you're someone who likes to sort of have everything laid out, structured, you know, really clear cut, may, may not be the most ideal place to start off, but maybe you can work your way down and maybe try a, a medium-sized organization, for example. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one thing for sure is that you still add a lot of value. If you do feel like you're coming from a big organization, but open and interested into a small organization, they will love to leverage the fact that you have processes that you know about and you can implement some processes as long as you can be a little flexible about it. Yeah. And actually, this is one of the biggest values that I've heard people who make the shift from big organizations to startups is you can go in, essentially, it's a, it's a clean plate and you get to like fill it up and set all these processes up to make it run more efficient, which is a great opportunity too, if that's what you're looking for and a, a good challenge. Right. So, you know, so that's great. So thank you, Jen. Uh, what I want to talk about next is networking because one of the things that actually brought me to you was an article that I read on LinkedIn uh, around networking. So the question, I already know the answer, but for our listeners sake, you know, does networking really work? For sure. I definitely think it works and um, it doesn't always have to be warm networking. It can be cold networking as well, where there's not actually direct links. So I can break that down a bit, a bit more. So one thing I'll say is that a lot of my candidates that I work with one-on-one, -on -one, you know, we make sure that their resume is again, smack in the face, obvious that it's aligned to the role that they're applying to. Number one, number two, if it's a role that is so aligned and you're so interested in it, I always have them follow up with someone on LinkedIn. It's just a hard and fast rule. Just make sure we do it. So, you know, we come up with templates that we always tweak. So it's personalized, but following up with people directly on LinkedIn about jobs that you're applicable to highly increase the odds. And, you know, a lot of people um, worry about rejection and they feel like someone not responding to you is rejection. But, you know, one thing I'll remind you is that um, if you apply for a job and you don't get a response, it's not a big deal. I wouldn't sweat it. One thing I can assure you is that it's very rare to get a negative response, right? So if people are fearing rejection. I mean, I've received tons of follow-ups. I've never gotten mad at anyone. If anything, I've just deleted if it doesn't, if it's not relevant. So you might get a lot of no responses, but no worries because you're only looking for one job. You're not looking for 50. So you don't need everyone responding back to you. Excellent. But that so, would be what I call cold networking. You don't okay. know 
one. But you know, when we think of networking, people think, but who do I know? Like, I don't, I don't really know anyone, but everyone knows a lot more people than they think. And those people know people and that's mm. sort of the networking chain. So what I do with my clients is I get them to drum up a list of, let's say even 15 people that they could reach out to. And it doesn't have to be a coffee chat. People are so busy. Uh, we could just do Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can set up a quick 10-minute conversation. Even 15 minutes can sound intimidating. So it's just having 10-minute calls with people. Try doing video calls if you can at the very least. But sometimes there are people who are you know still really appreciate and have the time for a face-to-face meeting. That is all, always ideal. But I think in this day and age, it's less realistic to expect. So yeah. think about the 10 to 15 people you know, you know, and think about um, really reframing what you're asking them for. So this is very obvious to a lot of people, but you know, we're not asking them for a job. And we want that to be clear in the initial message that we're not saying, hey, I want a job, can you help me? I receive messages like that all the time. And the energy from that message really throws me off. And I, I don't, I will be honest, I don't respond to those messages. Um, I respond more to messages that are about, you know, maybe they just need some advice. So, or maybe they just want to, I think that's the whole point. It's knowledge seeking. If I can reframe okay. it in different ways, but the point is they're knowledge seeking, right? So you're seeking some sort of knowledge. Of course, I know you want a job. And of course, if I had something relevant, I would tell you. So that's how you, you um, that's how you want to think of it as like, I'm just knowledge seeking and seeing also if Jen might know someone else who might be more relevant. Uh, the beauty is that people like to help because it makes them feel good, even if it's for their ego, for example, but it makes people feel good to help others. So you really just want to come at it at a place where you're just humbling them and you're asking for insight. Yeah, yeah no, that because I feel like I'm missing the point. And I, I think, you know, a lot about this topic as well. Yeah, no, I, I think you, you're right on. So, you know, uh, the same with me. You, when I, when people reach out and say, Hey, I'm looking for a job. You're right. The energy just kind of goes away. And typically, you know, if I don't delete it right away, I definitely won't answer it. Uh, It's not to sound mean, but I'm sure a person, even like yourself, Jen, you get bombarded with messages, right? Like we're talking about hundreds every day where people are reaching out to you. And if they're not, if they're not making a genuine, I want to call it a genuine connection with you, then, you know, why would you want to respond back to them? Right. I think the most effective messages are some element of what you like about that person's background and mm-hmm. what you'd like um, their knowledge on. So it's, it's really kind of telling the other person, it's almost complimenting the other person, but in a way that you can still learn from it um, so in an area that you can learn from. Yeah. And actually, this is what led us to talking, right? You know, is there something I read about you on your profile? Like, you know, for the listeners that are listening to this, I, I don't know, Jen, we, 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 it was a totally, it was a cold networking message that I sent to Jen to say, Hey, you know, I, I read one of your posts. I really like what you had around networking. I run this podcast. I was interested. I, you know, let me know if you're interested in participating. And this is how this conversation happened. So these are things that we ourselves even do because these are the things that work for us. So when you go in and you just go for an ask or say, Hey, give me something, you know, in most cases, people are not going to typically respond. So yeah, I know you've definitely provide some great tips. And actually, we're a, a live example of, you know, when you do that connection, you make that genuine, authentic uh, reach out to that person, you know, you'll get a response. And this is why we're chatting today, right? 
Yes. So good, good. So uh, actually, we're, we're kind of getting near the end of the podcast, but there's one more question. Um, when it comes to outside of reaching out to professionals like yourself, do mentors, can mentors help you with landing a job? For sure. Mentoring is another form of networking, but it's obviously a very different type of relationship. Mm -hmm. A mentor also knows a lot of people. So when someone's mentoring you, they're learning about a lot of things about your career aspirations, what you're good at, you know, where, where would be the next ideal role? Um, what would that look like? Things like that. So a mentor can be a huge source, a huge, um, yeah, a huge source of other contacts once they get to know you a bit better. And then also they might have opportunities themselves as well that would benefit you um, or that would be applicable to you rather. So I think that mentoring definitely is a good way to you know, network and can help you. Do you have a, a suggestion, maybe one or two suggestions on how people can reach out to, net, to, to mentors? I know there's programs that are available uh, mm -hmm. through, the, through the nonprofit sector, but is, do you have any recommendations on how to do that? Sure, I mean, I think, you can maybe try doing some cold networking on on LinkedIn as well and see mm -hmm. if someone who might seem like they would be open to that. In those cases, I'd probably seek people who are really kind of senior in the role that you're um, thinking of because they also would see benefit of having a mentee because they're trying to develop as well, right? Um, so there's that. And then also there's things like Meetup Toronto where there's different types of groups and networks. Um, networks that you can be a part of and get to know people that way. Um, I think finding a mentor isn't just, uh, okay, I'm going to reach out to John because I want John to be my mentor. There's got to be a bit more like organic, like development to it. So I don't think you can just really figure out for sure who will be your mentor unless it's maybe a referral or, or things like that. So it might be some like slow digging around you would have to go through. Yeah. No, excellent. So great tips, Jen. You know, it, finding a mentor is one of those things that take time. Uh, you know, I got a personal story where I followed somebody for two and a half years before I reached out to them. And then at that point, I asked them to be a mentor after one or two conversations. And that was something that just took time. So, uh, but mentoring is definitely a great way to, to build your network, to get access to other people's network, because typically your job will not come from your direct network. It'll come from your network's network. So that's great. So thank you, Jen. You've provided us with some incredible insights and tips today. Is there anything that's going on for you? Anything that you'd like to share with our audience? Any projects that you may have on the go? Sure. I'm actually just in the middle or just about to actually start working on my online courses as well. So I know you guys have online courses um, geared to newcomers. Mine's a bit more generic and mm -hmm. um, it's sort of just, you know, the breaking down the steps of the job search process. So there'll be about eight to 10 modules. And so I'm just starting that now and probably see that being released February, um, February and March. Excellent. So is that, uh, that will be released through your site or are you gonna have a, a special link for that? Yeah, it'll be released on my site and people can uh, learn more about the modules and then they can purchase the modules as well, all through my website. So I'll have a lot um, you know, promotions and sort of um, advertising about that maybe in January, February. All right. Terrific. So I'll make sure I include a link to careerrealtalks.com where people can get more information. I'll also include links to your LinkedIn profile. Um, mm -hmm. I know you said you don't do recruiting in the tech space, but there are other areas that you do recruiting in. So, you know, it could be a good opportunity for people to connect with you and learn more about what you do and 
yeah, the sectors that you have access to today. So Jen, thank you for, you know, for being part of our podcast and for sharing your insights and tips with everybody. Uh, yeah, it, it has been a great session and uh, I'm going to wrap that up with just saying thank you and thank you to all the listeners who uh, joined us today to listen to this podcast and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, John. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Zero to Hired podcast. Make sure you check out our website, www.zerotohired.com and download your free resume template that's proven to get results, complete with examples and guidelines. Make sure you tune in as we interview leading industry experts who provide tips and strategies to help you get the career that's right for you.